Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Kyle Posey, also from Niners Nation, and Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday. Happy Victory Wednesday, Rob. Yeah. To Let's you. Go. Justice. Yeah, to you guys. I <laughs> <laughs> well, messed up my sleep schedule so I could watch the Packers get destroyed in London. So. Are you waking up? at six on the dot for that or what are you doing what's your no dude i was up at like 4 30 or something like that pacific time so yeah just you know ruin a whole weekend because of that game biggest upset loss lafleur's ever had first time he's ever lost as a touchdown favorite which they've been a couple times just a bummer sucked why are you smiling kp (laughs) he's chuckling you because it still hurts, and I can tell, and it shows it's gonna hurt every day. Voice, um, you lost to Daniel Jones. I was just gonna say, you lost to Danny Dimes, and not hurt Danny Daniel Dimes. Jones. <laughs> you lost to a hobbling Danny Dimes who, with four wide, have receivers. A wide receiver, yeah, does not have a <laughs> wide receiver. A reluctantly, a team reluctantly playing Darius Slayton, a team who went out of their way to not play Kenny Galladay, a team whose second best weapon is probably their hobbled quarterback. Um, not great. Joe Barry, not great. Man, way to twist the knife there, KP. Uh, Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride is also with us behind the glass. He's obviously in a very good mood after his Chiefs just are oblivious to deficits, apparently. They come back and beat the Raiders. So, yeah, three out of four of us are in uh, good moods today on the show. I want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We have a full show for you today. Hall of Famer Kurt Warner is going to join us. Going to talk about some of the things we saw on Monday Night Football, some of the roughing the passer calls. Plus, we're going to get to our week six gauntlet. We're going to look at some teams that are kind of surprising a little bit around the NFL and see which ones can sort of sustain the success they have have. They have had sustain the success they have had had is the word that I could not say there. As I throw the brakes on everything, why don't we just do this? Let's get to Kurt Warner. He's much better at talking than I am from Westwood One NFL Network and a zillion other places. The Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. We are very pleased and privileged to be joined by the Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Kurt, by the time I finish all your accolades, the interview will be over. No kidding. So let's stop right there. (laughs) Kurt Warner is with us. Uh, Let's start with Monday Night Football. Kind of a controversial finish. The Raiders score a touchdown. They're down by one point. There's about four and a half minutes left in the game. They decide to go for two instead of kicking the extra point to tie the score. What did you think of that decision? 
I mean, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know when we stop just playing football and, you know, four and a half minutes to go. There's so much that can happen. You know, so many things, you know, from the other side that I just, I, I don't understand why we don't just play as we used to play. And you tie the game up and barring anything crazy, worst case scenario, you know, you, you go into overtime and you have a chance to win instead of, you know, because to me, even if you make it there, there's a whole bunch of time left and everybody's got their timeouts and all it does is go, okay, Patrick Mahomes here, go down and kick a field goal. And so to me, you tie it up. Maybe the other team plays a little more conservative, you know, or, you know, or whatever. One bad thing happens and you're right there with a chance to win it, but you're not, you know, putting your team behind the eight ball by not getting it, being down one and now being in a panic state uh, when you just made a great play and, 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 worked your way down and, and scored a touchdown. So I, I, I don't understand a lot of these analytics. To me, it doesn't make sense. At some point, you just have to play football and you go, we got a full team here. Did our part on offense. Now it's our defense's part. If we want to win this game, they've got to step up and make that play. And so, um, you know, obviously we know how that, how it turned out in the end. But, um, but yeah, I, I didn't like the call. I, I go back and forth on it because part of my thinking is, okay, we've scored this big touchdown, great play by Derek Carr. We've kind of got him on the ropes a little bit. Maybe they're a little wobbly. Can we just punch in this two-point conversion while we've got a little bit of momentum? I, I mean, again, you know, I, I understand the, you know, the, the logic behind, hey, can we and if we do. Um, but I just, you know, I look at analytics and I, I understand the idea that, okay, if you go for two, you get it 60% of the time. And so it's like, well, it's better than 50, so let's do it. But to me, it doesn't make sense if you're only doing it once in a game. Like, if you're going to do it every time because you think you're going to get it 60% of the time, now it makes sense because now it's a winning formula. You know, to go, it's, well, it's a 60% odds because you're doing it one time in a game. I, I just, to me, that logic doesn't, makes sense and so um to me it's a, it's a crap shoot that one time if you feel like you got a beat on them and you have a great play again i understand it i just to me i, I think it's it's such a letdown for a team when you come all the way down you make a great play you tie the game up and and again in my mind as a player that's exactly what i think when we score i don't think let's go ahead i think Oh, good. We did our job. We tied this game back up. Now it's 0-0, zero, zero, and we've got four and a half minutes in which we have to win here to win this game. And, you know, I never look at it like, oh, my gosh, you know, if, if we don't go ahead here, then we could possibly lose the game. Like, I, I don't look at it that way. And so, um, to me, I, I just, again, I want to go back to just playing football because I think it, it costs too many teams. And you don't understand what it does mentality-wise for an offense. You know, I looked at, the, you know, the, the Chargers game. And you're in a great position to win the game, and your coach says, let's go for it on fourth and two from your own 40-yard line. And you're just like, you know, first of all, I mean, I understand the point. Like, hey, he's putting it in our hands. We can win this game. But I'm going out there in the huddle going, what are we doing? Like, I'm not even confident in the, in the decision. So I'm the one that's got to make this work. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing? Like, why aren't we punting? You know, and, you know, so I think there's just so much that goes into it, especially from a player's mentality of, you know, just those highs and lows and ups and downs of a game. 
Um, and just the confidence level, you know, there's situations that I love it and there's other situations where I can't stand it because um, I think it has a, a negative effect on your team, no matter what the analytics or the percentage is that, that, that you're going to be successful. A lot of people say you can't date the analytics. You have to marry the analytics. Like you were saying, if you do it every time, you sort of get the benefit of that. But if you're not going to do it every time, then it's it, the math doesn't quite work out the same way, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, the other big play in that game, of course, is the roughing the passer, Chris Jones, Derek Carr. Many fans were frustrated with it. Uh, obviously, when you played, there was, I mean, <laughs> there's no way that gets called roughing the passer. Do you think that this is a problem for the league or do you think it just happens that we've had two of these calls in the same week? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's probably more circumstance. Uh, two of those calls coming off of what we saw on Thursday night with Miami, you know, so, so, I mean, obviously everybody is, you know, levels are heightened a little bit on what we saw, what happened. Let's make sure that, that we police this really, really well. Um, and, you know, I think we have to understand they're trying to do the right thing. You know, they're trying to protect the quarterback, which we can argue all we want to the quarterback be checked, protected more than other players and all this I don't know the answer to that. I mean, but the bottom line is we know what quarterbacks mean to this league. And we know that there's only so many of those guys that can play. So you want those guys on the field every time you've got a big game. But, you know, I'm just I'm just of the mindset that we can't take all of defense out of the game. Like we can't <clears throat> change everything. So these guys don't know what they're what they're supposed to do. They don't know how to play or you know, they're starting to play in a way that, you know, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I've seen it a number of times when you have quarterbacks scrambling to the sideline <clears throat> and a guy's coming over to hit him. He lets up, quarterback turns the corner, you know, gets another five, six, yep. another five or six yards. And, you know, these guys are sitting there in between or these slides. Guys are running. And then the last second they slide and a defender's coming up going, well, if he, if he runs three more yards, he gets a first down. I got to. You know, and so we're getting to the point where I think quarterbacks are using it to their benefit in a lot of situations. And they're starting to lobby for things that are really just football plays. And, you know, Chris Jones last night, that was just a football play. Derek Carr's moving away from him. He's running through him to make the tackle, strip sack, all of that stuff. And at that point, you know, when you're going and getting a football, you're not thinking anymore about, I can't land on the quarterback or I've got a spin <laughs> I'm, I'm, where's the ball? Like, I got the ball. And so, you know, I know it's hard. I mean, I understand having played the game, I'm amazed at what the officials do see and what they do get right. It's it's incredible to me. Um, but we have to be able to do something where even in the moment, if they, if they call it, that we can review it. We can look at it and go, okay, you know, because I looked at the Brady thing on Sunday, and as soon as um, Jarrett started to swing him, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because he's swinging him with some force. And I, and I saw Tua's, the whole Tua situation you know, go right before my eyes. Then I thought, and again, I don't even know how it happened, if, if it was Jared or whatever, as they were going down to the turf, it was almost like he controlled it and slowed Brady down mm -hmm. so he didn't just sling him into the ground, even though he was spinning him at a high rate of speed. And so I thought first, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, here comes a big hit. That's a penalty. And then 
when they finished it, I thought, no, that's not a penalty. He almost like laid him down softly, you know, <laughs> as, as much as you can in that kind of situation where it wasn't that violent swing to the turf that it looked like it was going to be. And I think that's what happened is the official saw the violent swing, pulled the flag and threw it. And then you look at the, the end result and you go, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be and probably shouldn't be a penalty. So those are the ones that you'd like to be able to go back and go, you know, okay, in that situation, we, we got to pick up the flag. Or Chris Jones, I mean, maybe it's one of those that, you know, because the ball came out, because, you know, that now all of a sudden, you know, all bets are off and, and you got to go, well, you got to let him play play football at that point. But, you know, that's where I think we have to go is we got to continue to police it and, and protect the players. And, and, and I don't have a problem with the essence of some of the rules. I just, you know, it's hard enough to play defense the way it is that when you start doing some of these things that to me just look like football plays, it's, you know, I, I, it affects the game and it affects these guys being able to, to put their best foot forward and really have an impact on, you know, helping their team win. And, and I think we got to look closely at that. I felt like if that wasn't Tom Brady, that penalty is not being called. Is that, do you think there was anything to that? Um, I mean, I think there's always a level of respect that comes with the top players. And so, you know, we can talk about Tom Brady, but I, but I think that's the case with a lot of top players is those players kind of earn the right to get the benefit of the doubt, you know, whether it's pass interference with good wide receivers, you know, I just think that that kind of plays into it. So, so I'm not really sure, um, you know, but, but I think, you know, everybody's conscious that that was Tom Brady. And, you know, if he gets swung down like Tua and they have another incident like Tua with Tom Brady, I mean, that's that, that's huge. You know, that's 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 big. So um, to think that that human element is not there at all, um, I'm going to say, you know, it, it probably is. You know, do I think the officials actually think about it and go, well, this is Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, he, he can't be hit like anybody else. I don't know if they do that. I think they're just a little more conscious of it because he's such a big face of the NFL and, you know, face of the league. And he means so much to, to our game that I think they're con uh, unconscious of that, but, but it's probably an element. A couple more things I want to touch on with you. First, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're undefeated. They look fantastic. Jalen hurts. Looks like he's really taken a step forward. Are you at the point now where we can start to believe in Jalen Hurts, or do you still want to see a little bit more before you get there? Well, I mean, I think I'm a guy that's always – I don't want to say hard on quarterbacks, but um, but I'm always evaluating quarterbacks. And, you know, and until I'm convinced I know what a guy is and what he's going to be week in and week out, year in and year out, then I always need to, to see them prove it. Um, you know – a little bit more. And, and that doesn't mean they're not good quarterbacks. It doesn't mean Jalen Hurts isn't doing a lot of great things and, and hasn't, you know, shown progress from where he was last year. All those things are true, but you're not a franchise guy until you're a franchise guy. You know, you, you got to earn the right to, for people to go, okay, he's one of those guys. He's one of those elite players. Tom Brady had to earn it. First three years of his career, he won that guy. You know, he won a Super Bowl. He beat me in a Super Bowl, but he wasn't that guy. You know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't that guy. You know, and, and so we've seen a number of players in the league that become great quarterbacks, but they aren't great from the onset. And so Jalen continues to make progress and continues to grow. 
But yeah, I want to see him against a really good defense. I want to see him under duress in the pocket. I want to see him forced to have to, to win games in the pocket as a pocket passer before I'm convinced that he is that complete franchise type quarterback. Doesn't mean you can't win with his style. Doesn't mean he doesn't do a, a lot of things really, really well. Um, I'm just always a firm believer that championship quarterbacks can win in the pocket. You have to be able to win in the pocket. And that's the one area as Jalen continues to grow that I'm not fully convinced that if he has to drop back and throw the ball 35 times a game, that he's, you know, that he's the guy that's going to win games for you at this point in his career. And he's got a hell of a test this week going up against the Cowboys and that defense and Micah Parsons. We, I don't know if that means he's going to be able to throw from the pocket more or less, but I feel like he'll answer a lot of questions this week. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a great challenge uh, for, for both sides. Um, Philly's offense is really good. Their offensive line is good, but Dallas defense and defensive line has been great as well. And yeah, you, you know, it's one thing when, you know, the scheme just works out for you and the game is kind of laid out fairly easily. Screen passes, RPOs, you know, running the way that you're able, you know, you get on the edge and you're able to run with not a lot of bodies out there. Like, it's great. And again, you can only play what you can play. So I don't fault guys when the game comes easy for them. But you want to see guys when the game's hard. You want to see guys when they're getting hit and they don't have wide open layups all the time and they have to play the game um, and find ways to win in, in those moments. And so, you know, this has the makings of being one of those type games, um, you know, where you have to believe each side's going to make it hard on the other side. And it's not just going to be an easy game where it just kind of comes to you. Um, and, you know, and again, I don't want to say anybody could do it, but it, but it looks like on tape, well, anybody could have thrown that pass and anybody could have run around the edge because there's nobody, you know, the scheme plays out in your favor. You know, at some point you want to see him play ball and go, hey, I'm just a better ball player than, than you guys are. And uh, I showed it to you by, you know, but what, what I did for 60 minutes. Last subject I want to get to you, get to with you is the Chargers. They're coming up on Monday Night Football against the Broncos. When I look at the Chargers, I can't help but feel like when you have a quarterback that's as talented as Justin Herbert, it should be easier. Offense should be easier. But I feel like they never, it's never easy for them. When they move the ball, it's always Herbert having to roll out and throw a laser 20 yards down the field and make this kind of crazy throw that only he can make. Shouldn't it be easier if you have a guy that's as talented as he is? Yeah, um, you know, you really feel like it should be as as much talent as they have on their team as a whole. Um, but I mean, yeah, I agree with you. When I watch them, I see a lot of good things, and obviously from Justin, you see a lot of good things. But I don't see every like there's something missing, and I I don't know if I can always put my finger on it. Um, you know, but but I think there's certain guys or certain teams that just make those plays that they have to make in a game. Like there's other teams that make a lot of plays, but they don't make those plays. You know, whatever those plays are, those those little plays that are difference-making plays in a game, they just don't seem to make. And that's, you know, as crazy as it is, I mean, that's kind of what we've been saying about the Chargers for like a decade now. <laughs> and they're all different pieces, a different head coach and different quarterback. You know, so it's not like, 
you should we should be saying like, oh, these guys just aren't doing it again because they're different guys. But it seems very similar is that you'll watch them through the course of the game and you see so many good things. But then at the end, you know, they're always in a position to lose. Um, and, you know, you just can't put your finger on exactly what it is. Um, you know, but then you have other guys like a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes where you go, that's what it looks like. Like, they don't make those – like, they make the plays they're supposed to make. They, they, you know, and so there, there's something there. But, you know, I could put on both tapes next to each other, and I don't know if you can fully delineate what's missing. Like, where's the piece that, that you know, Justin does a great job of, of reading coverages and making throws, and he makes special throws every week. But there's just something there, some next step that he has to take where it's just kind of like now we fully believe he's going to make those plays and take over for this team. And that's just the one element to me that's that's missing. And so every week they're just they're in a dogfight because they can never just kind of put it away by making that play. And I think it starts at the quarterback spot. Um, I just haven't been able to, you know, to hone in on, oh, this is what he's not doing. Um, he's just not doing something that, uh, you know, that some of those other guys are doing and that, that's separating their teams from from his. And he's going up against the guy in Russell Wilson, who I felt like always used to make those plays, especially as a 49er fan. He certainly made him against my team. Yeah. But now this year, it seems like it's a different Russell Wilson back there. Is that what you see? I, I do, um, you know, because I think for years, and I think a lot of people look around the league and kind of looked at Russell and said, you know, Russell's good, but but maybe not great. And he's a guy that, you know, games are close. He's great in the moment, even though he may not be a great quarterback overall. And I went back and watched the tape last year after he got traded and just kind of wanted to kind of reassess, watch his different throws and reassess him as a passing quarterback. And, and, after I did that tape study, I came out going, and this guy's really good. Like, this guy's good. He, you know, he sees things and he makes throws and he, and he recognizes things that that is rare. And so I left there, you know, kind of pushing that, you know, that whole narrative to the side. Like, you know, he's just a guy, that a playmaker. No, he played the quarterback position really, really well. And this year he's not. And um, – and I don't know, again, I can't put my finger on it, you know, because the game last week, you know, there was, you know, times that he misses things from inside the pocket, but that's mm -hmm. always been Russell Wilson. He's not necessarily great at seeing the field and doing all that. That's not his, his strongest suit. But, but he usually makes the throws. Like, when he gets to the right guy, he normally makes the throws that he's supposed to make. And that's been the biggest thing for me this year is, you know, he's gotten to the right guy numerous times and just is missing throws badly. Um, there were so many opportunities against the Colts that that game shouldn't even be close. And he missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And, uh, and, and I don't know, you know, I mean, they come out and say that there's the injury now. But again, I, I watch some of his throws and I see the velocity on some of his throws. And I, it's hard for me to just go – Okay, I understand that he's got an injury, but it's hard for me to believe that he missed that throw that bad just because of his injury because I'm watching him make make other throws. So I don't know what 
the disconnect is there. Now, I understand you go to a new system and, you know, new terminology and you're trying to figure out what it's all about. I've played in numerous systems. That's not easy. You know, so you can't necessarily put your best foot forward in the early stages of, of being in a new offense because you're thinking too much. But at the end of the day, what I always could do was throw the football. Like, I didn't forget how to throw the football. So if I knew I was throwing it to you, I could still throw it to you. Like, I'm still making that throw every time if I get there. Now, I might be slow getting there or I might mess it up in a new offense. But when I get there, I can throw it. And that to me has been the biggest thing is that he just looks off throwing the football. And, um, you know, whether it's hesitation, whether it's, you know, unsure of himself, whether it's a lack of confidence right now, but but he's not throwing the football very well. And, you know, that's that's disturbing, um, you know, to see. And it's just been it's been so clunky with their offense. I mean, it's just talk about looking hard. Their offense looked really hard. Like nothing is smooth. Every drive is just, you know, it's laborious to try to, you know, move the football. And then they've been so bad in the red zone, you know, they're not even getting touchdowns on the end of it. So, um, again, I, I think there's a lot of elements there. Um, but, yeah, it's been a disappointment, I know, for everybody that Russell is a really good quarterback and has played really well the entirety of his career. And he's just not playing very well right now. We'll see if they can get back on track on Monday night. Kurt Warner, you've heard him on Westwood One. You can also, if you want to be a smarter football fan, go to QBconfidential.com. I love all your film breakdowns there. I was watching Trey Lance at the beginning of the year. Uh, that will always hurt me that we're not going to get to see him, but I really appreciate your breakdown. So everybody should go and check that out. And just as a fan, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Oh, that's, that's my pleasure. I love, love teaching the game and love teaching fans and people that aren't sure and and at the end of the day, I'm always hoping that it gets back to the players too, and they get a chance to, you know, to really look at themselves and, and you know, take what I'm saying. And if, if they can apply some of it to help them, uh, you know, I hope that works for them as well. So uh, it's a fun way to stay connected to the game and try to teach all of those people out there that, uh, that want to learn. Well, you should definitely go check it out, qbconfidential.com. Kurt, thank you so much for the time. You got it. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Kurt. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our – gauntlet with our teams that can sustain success back here in a minute on the SB Nation NFL show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. As they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, Smarty, what's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. We are back, and all right, gentlemen, it is time to get into it. Our week six gauntlet, I can't believe it, week six already. Yes, it's official, I have crossed over into that cliche. We are going to look at some teams that are surprising a little bit this year and debate which ones can continue their success. We'll pit one team against another. KP and Justice will decide what their picks are. If there is a tie, Steven Serta will jump in and break the tie for us. So, KP, I go to you first. Who can sustain their success, the Vikings or the previously mentioned New York football Giants? I think the schedule would lead you to believe it's the Vikings, right? And I I go back and forth on this just because – the Vikings are obviously like they're going to put up points. There's no doubt about it. I think that you can tell by that, by the way they come out of games, by the way they come out of the half, they should deserve credit for getting up early and jumping on teams. Like that's what good teams do. But <laughs> Captain Kirk, he always finds a way to keep these things close, man. So it, it's tough to be fully invested into the Vikings, knowing that Kirk Cousins is probably going to make a boneheaded decision. He did against the Bears. Like, they were driving. It seemed like they had a chance to put the game away. And sure enough, he throws it right to the Bears. And now they have a chance uh, to win the game. And the game is close down the stretch. But still, I think they have so much talent. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to figure it out more and more as the season goes along, what he can and can't do. So I think early the early returns for Kevin O'Connell is good. Whereas the Giants, like, they are a great story, man. Uh, we just talked about it earlier. They don't have receivers. Like, Danny – Danny Jones doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. Eventually, some team is going to be able to take that away. Some team is just going to put go all in on stopping Saquon Barkley. And then what do you do? They're gonna, I mean, they have you have they don't have any receivers for you to guard. So I they're a fun story. They do have good players, and I feel like we should point that out. Like their left tackle got a lot of flack last year, and he's playing at an extremely high level this year. Obviously, we all know Saquon Barkley, but I mean it's just not enough. So it's easy for me to point to uh, the Vikings here. I think I agree. And even then, you know, you mentioned the Giants left tackle situation is better than it was last season. Evan Neal has been struggling at right tackle. The guy that, you know, we talked about as a potential first overall pick uh, coming into this past draft. I think the offensive line and the quarterback situation is really where they set themselves apart. Right. Um, Saquon is great, but like Dalvin Cook is no, no bum either, right? So you have a better fit there in the running game. And then I think defensively, neither team is playing really great. They're really defense, like really different um, mindsets, right? Like Minnesota is doing all the Chargers, Rams, Packers, like Fangio type of stuff defensively. 
and then Wink is just blitzing everyone from from the Giants' perspective. Um, Dexter Lawrence probably should be a guy that we talk about nationally a little bit more um, as far as like the Giants' defensive tackles and stuff go. But I think it has to be Minnesota just because of what they have in their passing game and you know up front on the offensive line. I just think there's a separation there. Um, it's crazy this Giants team is four and one. I cannot believe the Packers <laughs> lost to them. Every time the Giants win, I I still don't know how it happened, and I still don't believe they're going to win next week. But somehow, for the most, they keep doing it. Uh, but they are eliminated in this particular exercise. So, Justice, who can sustain success, the Vikings or Mike McDaniel's Miami Dolphins? Ooh, man. What do we think this quarterback situation is going to be like for Miami for the rest of the season? They said Skylar Thompson is is expected to start this upcoming week because Teddy's going through the concussion protocol and two is still being held out. I saw, you know, everyone's really excited about Mike McDaniel as a head coach, but I was always still worried about like, I mean, it's the first time he's really ever been put into a position of power in that way. Right. And now stuff is coming out. They're like the, the, the uh, veterans are like, we have to take away the ping pong table in the locker room. (laughs) And it's like, Guys, I don't know. Like, if it's it's been all fine and dandy at this point, but if this thing turns south, right? Like, is McDaniel the guy who can like grab the wheel and and lead it in the right direction? I don't know. And if Skylar Thompson is going to be playing at quarterback, he didn't look great last week when he came in. I I don't have a whole ton of faith. So if you would have asked me maybe two weeks ago, I probably would have said Miami. But now I I don't think so. Plus their defense is playing terribly. Their defense is like one of the worst in the league, if not the worst. Yeah, the, their defense is not good at all. And it's kind of – it is confusing just because you have a guy like Xavier Howard. It seems like they have a semblance of a pass rush, but for whatever reason, they cannot get off the field. The Jets did whatever they wanted to, and it was painful to watch as some. When can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, we'll get to the Jets. But anyway, uh, the Dolphins – they have so much speed and talent on the offensive side of the ball. And, and then with the creativity of Mike McDaniel, you'd think that they would still be able to move the ball. And, and they were able to do that. But eventually, you know, you need your quarterback to come through for you. And that was not that, – that's not, you know, an indictment of Scott Thompson. He's third string. He's just activated for the first time last week. He's never going to be able to um, lead a team from a comeback. So I mean, we'll who see. do we think he is? Bailey Zappi? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We'll, Man, we'll see if he's better with a week of preparation as a starter. I mean, I'm not exactly holding my breath, but again, there, there is a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So you would think again, they'd be able to compete, but I think, I mean, the other side of the ball, it just doesn't give them any hope at all. And that's just going to put more and more pressure on Thompson. So any mistake should, will probably be amplified. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to keep it Vikings here. All right, Minnesota's on a little bit of a roll here. Let's see if I can make it difficult. KP, who can sustain success, the Minnesota Vikings or the Seattle Seahawks? And when I say the Seahawks, what I really mean is Geno Smith. Geno, Geno. Okay, who's a better quarterback right now, Geno Smith or Kirk Cousins? Who would you rather have? Oh, fully yeah. guaranteed contract for Gina? He might want to you up to be his agent. Let's take it there. He, I mean – we, we talk about him every week. There Again, there are like three to four plays where he's going to take that five-step drop. He is going to sit there, and he is going to get sacked. And it happened again last week. But 
there might be that second and 16 on the very next play where he just kind of closes his eyes, he's down the <laughs> field, hits DK Metcalf in stride, and it's a big play, man. I think offensively, there's no doubt in my mind that Seattle can keep up what they're doing. Quietly, those rookie offensive tackles are playing well. Like, they're keeping Geno upright. And if he did have any idea of pocket presence, he would stay upright. They, have, they do have, a, you know, solid wide receivers on the outside and Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, probably one of the better duos in the NFL. It sucks that Rashad Penny went down, man, because he was balling and he was looking like a first round pick and he was getting better and better and more comfortable. So we'll see if their offense does take a step back with, with losing Rashad Penny. I know the internet will lead you to believe that running backs don't matter, but Penny was really adding to that offense. So, um, maybe that might lead me back to Minnesota knowing that there's no penny. So I'll, I'm going to keep it Vikings here, but I love everything that Gino's doing right now. And I, and I really do think that that side of the ball will continue to play well. But if you, I mean, if we're talking about the worst defenses in the NFL, the dolphins are much better than the Seahawks. And that is saying something. I'm going to go with Seattle here. Um, Gino. The last game against the the Saints, he was throwing. He he had a collection of passes that were better than anything I've seen from Aaron Rodgers through five weeks of the season. Whoa! So, okay, let's clip that, and this is what we're going to make the podcast about right, right here. That's, what? Going, that's totally fine. Keep going. Keep going. I'll just play like crap. Run the offense. Get a shot caller <laughs> on him. Um, Geno Smith though, no, he's been playing great. And how many more weeks of this do we have to see? I mean, we're in. Like you said, we're in week six, and he probably has like the fourth best stats out of a you know pocket like from a pocket passing perspective. Um, this is who behind, he is. Yeah, it's behind Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, and then he's probably right next there in terms of just like passing stats. I know Lamar and Jalen Hurts obviously add stuff in the ground game, but. If you're looking at him and throw as throwers, like he's right up there with the guys that you would expect to be at the top of the league at this point. So at some point you got you gotta believe. And I have no idea what like a Geno extension looks like. Those are like the questions I have no idea how to answer. I know we were joking about fully guaranteed and stuff like that, but I don't know if Geno is the quarterback of the future, but he sure is the quarterback of their now, right? Geno Smith for Aaron Rodgers. Who says no? Seattle, the Packers because of the cap hit, <laughs> the dead cap. It's too high. All right, so we have a tie. So you know what that means. We need Steven Serta to come in and break the tie for us. KP made his case. Justice made his case. Steven, where are you going? Gino, Gino, yes. Gino, Gino. Yes, he's too much fun to watch. I'm all aboard the Gino Smith hype train. Mm-hmm. I have DK Metcalf on my fantasy team. That has something to do with it. They're one of the most fun teams to watch in the NFL right now. I'm all aboard. So all on right. the fun meter real quick, Geno's clearly top three, right? Yes, absolutely. I'd put like Ravens and I think Lamar this season and then Geno somewhere in there. That's the top three, I think. Love it. So congratulations, Geno Smith. You move on. Thank you very much, Mr. Serta. KP, let's go Geno Smith or the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, man, there is a lot on Lamar's plate. Um, I know he's in a contract year, so I don't know if that has anything to do with Greg Roman not running him. But when a quarterback is like, it was clear that he was off Sunday night. And for whatever reason, they waited until 
the final drive to run their best player without any weapons on offense. It was driving me insane watching them because we see Kyle Shanahan do it with Trey Lance uh, when he was alive. So whenever <laughs> Lance would struggle, Shanahan would go to quarterback run right away. Why to kind of calm him down? And it worked every time. For whatever reason, the Baltimore Ravens were not doing that with Lamar. Um, it pretty much comes down to Lamar making a play. And, of course, he's spectacular. He's going to make a play. But I think, I mean, we're seeing it over and over and over now that if he doesn't play, I'm not going to say he has to play perfect for them to win, but it's pretty freaking close just because they don't have many options, especially with Bateman out or if he's not, if Bateman's not going to be in the lineup, it's pretty much Mark Andrews and nobody like Devin Duvernay is a track guy, man. He's not (laughs) like that. It sounds harsh, but they have to scheme him open and that's pretty much their only weapon. So. Their defense is atrocious, and I mean the injuries are continuing to mount for whatever reason. Like it's not, any, it doesn't feel like it's any different from last year. So I don't, I don't know how you can pick the Ravens based on what you've seen. Um, maybe justice. Maybe you have a reason to pick the Ravens. I'm, we'll see here. But I, I would go Geno just because again, this is who he is right now. Like we don't have to pretend that this is some kind of fluke. He's played the same way every week, week in and week out. I remember it was either week two or week three where I was convinced that he was the best seam ball thrower in the NFL. And he, it almost seems like he's gotten better, which is kind of crazy. So um, I'm going Gino. I think I'd go Baltimore here. And my one big pushback would be, I guess, two. One, they can unlock Lamar Jackson at will, right? Whenever they want to, they, they can just open it up for, for him. So there's room for improvement moving forward, right? You mentioned that we saw that in the last drive against the uh, against the Bengals. And then, two, I don't think their defense is as bad as you think anymore. Obviously, like, that game against Miami, those DBs were just – it looked like kids playing off of the schoolyard, right? <laughs> like, they just had no chemistry, no idea what the heck they were doing. But they actually ticked to, like, an above-average pass defense um, for season long. So they've had a pretty big, you know, bounce back. Um, off of those first couple weeks of the year. I I still believe in the Ravens. I still think they're the favorites in the in the AFC North. I still think Lamar has a chance to be like a dark horse MVP candidate. There's just too many things there for me. So we have my what I would say to you or what I would ask you is uh, and I am glad you pointed that out because their their defensive metric metrics are skewed. And they do deserve credit for holding Josh Allen down. I know they lost the game, but uh, they did do a pretty good job against the Bills. But looking back at like how they played against the Bengals, how much of that was just the Bengals offensive line and then just how they match up in general against the Bengals. And for me, I kind of worry if that would be something that would be sustainable. I think that's fair. Did you guys see the uh, video of Joe Burrow flinching at the press conference? It was a very loud cough, okay? (laughs) He's not, he clearly got taken by surprise. At least with the PTSD, at least with the offensive line, he knows it's coming, right? That cough came out of nowhere. That's true. I, to, uh, I bet there's been a couple of times where Burroughs like that guy came out of nowhere. (laughs) I'm I'm sure a couple caught him by surprise before. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but that last drive for the Ravens, I've never seen a team run like a two-minute drive 
and it was all quarterback runs. They ran eight plays, yeah. and Lamar running with four of them, and it was working. I've yeah, never seen that before. They, wanted to. they could do Busted whatever they want read. to when he has the ball in his hands, which was driving me insane. And I know nobody <laughs> cares about this, but I had the Raven, I had Lamar's rushing prop over 58, and he ran for or over 58 and a half, and he ran for 58 yards. And most of it came on the last drive. Why <laughs> not give the ball to your best player all game? Yeah, oh, so- okay. This makes more sense. That's 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 why you're hurt. Do we have so we have another split, right? If I'm correct, yes. All right, Stephen, we need you back. Yeoman's work today for you. Are you going Ravens or are you going Geno Smith? This one hurts, but I have to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, oh, I agree with Justice, and uh, I, think, I, I think their defense can get better and, and is getting better. I think adding Jason Pierre-Paul was actually quietly like a really strong move for them, and. You know, rookie David Ojabo is returning to practice. I still think he's a long ways off from ever playing, but he's an intriguing rookie that they could add to the mix later in the season. And just, yeah, like Lamar is that guy who, when you allow him to do what he does best, he's going to be unstoppable and he's not going to miss the throws that he missed in that game against, uh, against the Bengals every week. Like that's just not who he is. We know he was a little off that night. I just think Lamar Jackson's too special of a player for me to pick Gina Smith uh, uh, over the Baltimore Ravens. There we go. Thank you very much, sir. So the Baltimore Ravens move on. Justice, I pose it to you. Who can sustain success? The Baltimore Ravens or the New York football Jets? Ooh, I might have to tap someone in here because I didn't watch the Jets last week. Um, I would say probably Baltimore, but I haven't seen, you know, the return of Zach Wilson. So they have all those wide receivers guys. I am petrified that the Packers might legitimately lose to the New York jets this weekend. These back are back to back with the New York teams and two losses. <laughs> please, please. The, don't the, jets, the jets have three wide receivers who are better than any receiver. The Packers have seen in the last month. That's a fact. They played Chicago. Okay. We got no, I mean, Darnell Mooney. Are you writing home about Darnell Mooney? Um, the the very next game, you know, they're, they're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with everyone other than like Russell Gage out, right? The Giants with everyone out um, on that team. Like the Patriots who don't really, I mean, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, I guess if you write home with them. I, I think the Jets have a big opportunity um, to score a lot of points against the Packers this upcoming weekend, but I think I would probably still have to lean the Ravens. So I was watching this game and all I could think about was this team is fun to watch. And when's the last time you're able to say that about the Jets? So they have, I would say, three players for sure who you can almost bank on them winning their one-on-one battles. That is how you win in the NFL. Uh, Brees Hall he was making guys miss left and right one-on-one. They would give the ball underneath to Garrett Wilson, and he would just make a guy miss, and he would turn like a five-yard gain into a 12-yard gain. It sounds simple, but those matter. Like, those type of plays matter. Uh, You have, like, your possession guy in Corey Davis, and then you have an Elijah Moore who can do a little bit of everything. So um, they have a complimentary back in Michael Carter. So essentially, Zach Wilson just has to play point guard. He doesn't have to do a lot, and that – they're running that Shanahan style of offense. So, you know, guys are running wide open. They're a fun team. I'm, I, I think they are. I'm not going to say like they're for real and they're going to go on a run and make the playoffs, but 
I think that they can keep this up. Zach Wilson obviously has to stay healthy. He has to stay upright. But they, you can tell that they're already able to kind of scheme around their offensive line issues. And again, if they just if Zach Wilson lets his um, his guys do the heavy lifting and doesn't try to do too much, I really think that they can score points. And they are going about to play a defense who is very willing to let you score on them. So uh, I say the Jets. When Robert Sala made that receipts comment, I was kind of like, oh, boy, like he this is something that somebody says on their way out, like he's desperate, you know, he's, he's grasping at straws. And sure enough, the offense picking it up a little bit. They just dog walked the Miami Dolphins, dropped 40 on them. Like, could he have been right? When Bob does knew. Robert Sala come back with the receipts? Bob knew. Maybe he just <laughs> saw the schedule. That could have been something, too, so. If if he does this and he beats the Packers and they go to four and two and he comes out in, you know, another one of his attitude tees, I'm going to be so hurt. I'm going to be so incredibly hurt. Uh, at that point, do we say that the Jets are the best team in a green jersey in the entire league? Oh, please. Eagles? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> that says for you, BLG. <laughs> By the way, real quick on the Jets, we didn't. We only talked about their offense. Uh, Sauce Gardner looks like the real deal. Peace. He's a baller. Um, who who knew that the player who was essentially one of the best players in college football would continue that at the pro level? So it's really cool to see him transition to the NFL and continue to play at a high level. Does he still not have a touchdown caught against him in his football career? Because I know in college he didn't. Has anybody scored one on him in the pros? I don't know. I don't think so. I remember talking to him before the draft and I was like, you realize that someone's going to do that to you in the league. And he was like, well, I'm not really planning on it. So like he didn't he did. want to admit against the Bengals. He did give up one. Uh, say sorry there sauce, but nonetheless. So wait, are you both picking the jets? Who's our ultimate champion no, here? I, I took, I took Ravens and Kyle, where did you go? Bob team, Bob. All right. So Steven, you, man, we are putting you to work today. <laughs> Name the ultimate gauntlet champion for week six, Ravens or Jets? I still have to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Jeez, see, why do you hate me, man? <laughs> I can't pick the Jets just yet. I do think the Jets are moving in the right direction, and they've got so much young talent. I still think they're a season away. Like, There's going to be too much up and down play from them this year, and they're going to be really inconsistent. Zach Wilson's going to have a bad game, and they're going to be up and down every single week. I just don't see the consistency that in them that I'll get from Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I can't go with the Jets. Were you talking about the Jets or the Ravens defense? <laughs> <laughs> You go both ways, but I'm banking on Lamar <laughs> over Zach Wilson. So the Jets have Green Bay this week. Then they go to Denver to play the Broncos. Then they play the Patriots, and then they play the Bills. They could win. It's not crazy to think they could win two out of those three games before that matchup with Buffalo. That's what I thought about the Packers before their matchup with Buffalo. They dropped <laughs> the, the Giants of London, so I don't know. Count your chicks before they hatch. I don't trust anyone other than the Chiefs to, to – uh, cover a two-score deficit in the NFL at this point. This this season is crazy. There's only one undefeated team. Jalen Hurts, the four dude. and one teams look bad. It's crazy. Didn't Jalen Hurts come back from double digits? Weren't they down? Yeah, the Jags. They were down. Um, yep. All right. I'm going to leave it this. I'll leave you with this question, KP. What would you bank on more? The Chiefs overcoming a double-digit deficit or Justin Tucker game-winning field goal attempt? 
Oh, like what's more of a lock to happen? Yeah, like if you had to bet on one to happen. Can I just take it to push? <laughs> Tuck, <laughs> does Tucker ever miss? Like when it, whenever he comes onto the field – if, so let, let me say, for example, if I'm the Bengals in that situation, I might just let the Ravens score so I know I get the ball back because he's not going to miss the kick. There's no reason to act like he's going to miss the kick. There's no reason to pretend like, you know, you're playing the odds or whatever. There is no shot he's going to miss. And then on the other hand, the Chiefs, especially at home, like I don't I know that they were they were down, you know, two possessions, but it never really felt like they were going to lose the game. Um, they they had a couple even with, with having a couple calls go against them. It never felt like they were out of it. And then Mahomes comes out in the second, the first drive of the second half, and they score. And then you know it's pretty much over by then. So I'm I'm taking the push here. I'm going Tucker, right? I mean, it's just you, the clock's not even a factor. That's the only reason that I'm I'm choosing Tucker. But I mean, that is pretty clearly the best kicker I've ever seen. I know, I know everyone looks at Vinatieri and is like. Hall of Famer because of kind of the moments that he's had, but Tucker's the best kicker I think the sport has ever produced. Like if you put Tucker in the same spots that Vinatieri's in, do you think Tucker's missing? I don't. Maybe they win a couple more Super Bowls. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but I will say for the record, Patrick Mahomes, when trailing by ten or more points, including playoffs, is twelve and nine in his career. Next best on the list in terms of winning percentage, Tom Brady, thirty nine and sixty three. So Mahomes is just freakish at what he does. And I hate that bastard for doing it in the Super Bowl, but that's my issue. All right. That's going to do it quick, real quick. Justin Tucker is only 32 years old. Wow. How long is he going to do this for? Like another, another decade, right? Vinatieri did. Why wouldn't he he be able to? Even if he loses a little distance off his leg, like he still has a frigging robot leg. So he's still going to be able to kick field goals for a long time. He's getting paid good money too. It's not like olden days NFL. So in the past four years, Vin, uh, Tucker has missed only two kicks and uh, over fifty yards, and I'm pretty sure the number is like sixteen or seventeen attempts. He's just automatic anywhere, <laughs> including sixty-four. Yes, uh, he, he signed a four-year, twenty-five million dollar extension in August, including seventeen and a half million in guarantees, and he's earned every penny already. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Shout out to kickers everywhere. Uh, Please rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL Show. If you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. Send in your words of uh, solace for justice, who's apparently already counting on a Packers loss next week. (laughs) Or you could uh, send some words of encouragement for KP's and my San Francisco 49ers. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week.